Hello, everyone, and welcome to Thrifters Villa, a podcast for resellers and entrepreneurs. I'm Daniela, and welcome to another episode of Coffee Talk. So, on today's episode, I have a new friend to me. Her name is Monique, and Monique has such an interesting story. She started off as a graphic designer,、uh, living in New York City. Working in Sephora, learning everything about the beauty world, and then transitioning into reselling and moving to Pennsylvania and starting this new life.、Uh, and it was just so fascinating to have this conversation with her and connect with someone on so many different levels,、uh, and someone that I never knew before. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. I hope you learn something new and get inspired from this conversation. Everyone, welcome back to Thrifters Villa, and we have another episode of Coffee Talk this week. So, if you guys are new, because I know we have lots and lots of new listeners, my name is Daniela. I am a part-time reseller on Poshmark, eBay, and Mercari. And our Coffee Talk episodes are when I bring on a special guest.、Uh, sometimes you may know them, and sometimes you may not. So today I have Monique with me, and Monique and I have been trying to do this for like. Two or three months now, and we finally were able to find a time、um, to schedule this little chat. So, hi, Monique. Welcome to Thrifters Villa. Hi, Daniela. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to have you, and we've been chatting for a while now before we started recording. So,、um, why don't you take this opportunity to introduce yourself to everyone who's listening? A little background about yourself.、Uh, you know what you did previous to reselling, and then what kind of brought you to reselling. Absolutely. So first things first. With this being coffee talk, and now the the weather, I have to say sweater weather. Sweater weather. <laughs> I can't. I almost wore boots today. I'm not gonna lie. I, my, oh, I put my my two year old in boots. I was so close. But I I whipped out the long sleeve like white、yeah. shirt and a cardigan and my comfy shoes and I had tea this morning with the windows、Something、open. Magical happens when that brisk sweater、oh, weather hits you. <laughs> Perfect, and it brings on all the good feels. So yes, it、yeah. does. Yes, it does. So I'm originally from Long Island. I love it. It really only comes out when I say Long Island. <laughs> and glossy and glossy, gloss.、Yeah. <laughs> But、um, we're basically neighbors. I mean, Rhode Island, Long Island. It's basically the same thing. It's it was a very interesting place to grow up. Um, you know, I'm sure close to the beach, and then being like 20 minutes, a half an hour away from Manhattan. Yeah,、and、I always knew I wanted to live in the city and be a city girl. I never really loved suburbs as much. So when I was 18, I moved to the city. I went to FIT for graphic design. Very nice. I was a graphic designer, freelance for many years, and I always chose companies that were fashion, makeup related. I just had an interest at a very young age in makeup. Like, can you give an example I, of a company that you worked for? Um, freelance-wise, Mac. Oh, nice. But like their Viva Glam account. So,、yeah. like, I wanted to probably be the girl that was on set, as opposed to the girl that was like doing the graphics、yeah. in the cubicle. Yeah. And it didn't translate until later that that wasn't for me、um, because I was so social. Right,、But、I loved everything about, you know, fashion、mm-hmm. from a very young age and makeup. I remember my、uh, fifth grade graduation present from my parents was a The Art of Makeup book by Kevin Aucoin. Oh like, my god, I, that is like that. So I'm a huge makeup beauty、iconic. fan, and I want that for my collection. I don't have it yet. Iconic. I'm mine looks like shreds because I would try and like. Bake and set makeup that I didn't even know what I was doing because I was well. <laughs> I mean, forgot things, <laughs> but I always knew that something in that realm because I loved it all. I loved styling, and my parents were quite the fashionistas. They would push my limit of fashion when at a very young age. Like my mom put me in like vintage furs when I was like fourteen and told me how cool they were because they were hers and. There was always a story, and she she kept a lot of her pieces 
So a lot of vintage stuff and it was, we were always on the hunt, not necessarily thrifting, but I love the hunt of the sale and fashion. Mm -hmm. And I was just always interested in that world. So I found that all the people that I worked for were always in that world. And then I realized like this sitting in a cubicle was not for me. So I dabbled in PR. I dabbled in styling. I really was like in my mid twenties trying to find what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you, I had no idea. (laughs) Yeah. Let, let me tell you, at 33, I still have no idea. Right, like I, I, don't think, I don't think we ever really know. Like, I think I'm we close. We know. I think I'm close. Which yeah, is, right? <laughs> a lot older, and I'm like, I think I know what I want to do when I grow up. But, yeah, yeah, I'm in the same boat. I think I'm going in the right direction now. But um, my parents relocated to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, which is Amish country. Oh. Beautiful. Yes. I mean, great apple butter, fall. Talk about sweater weather and fall. Beautiful furniture as well. Beautiful. It's just, it's very magical in the fall times, especially with the hay rides and Mm -hmm. the pumpkins. I mean, that's what its it's glory is about. So they relocated here and I was like, what are you doing there? And I kind of decided to sublet my apartment, come here for a little bit and just figure myself out. Yeah. I dabbled in going back to school for medicine because that's where my parents were in the medical field. Yep. I went really far into picking my program and I got a part-time job at Sephora. <laughs> and that was and, and that was the end of it. And I told my parents like I want to get into makeup and they were like what is going on? <laughs> I said give me a year. I really have a passion for this. This is like a calling. The the everything about that part of the industry, the creativity. I mean, it all synced up because I loved going, you know, art school and everything. And I said, I, I really, I really enjoy this. And I just want to see where it takes me. And it parlayed myself back into Manhattan. And I actually became an educator for Sephora. Oh, wow. Yeah. Sephora Originals, which was the beginning of Kat Von D. They had brands yep. Hokey Doki, Hello Kitty. I mean, a lot of brands that probably people are like, what? That was in Sephora. So that was like early. Early. Like the OG. Yeah. I was going to say, like, that was like maybe in 07? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, yep. And totally dating Kat- ourselves. <laughs> Kat Von D was like the. Oh, it was huge. It was the biggest launch that they had had that was way before Fenty, way before. They have all these other brands now. Mark that. Jacobs, that was a big one too. Oh, way before, yeah, way before that. So um, I did that for a while, really loved it. Got into, you know, learning about skincare, make more makeup, beauty, um, and really loved the customer service aspect too. And I loved training. My favorite thing was when I would do huge cluster trainings. And since it was originals, it was mainly for Kat Von D was one of my brands that I used to travel with. And I loved it. Hand me a mic. I felt like I could be a stand-up comic while teaching, <laughs> yeah, you know, makeup artists and all these people at Sephora learning how to do customer service. Um, and that whole thing fascinated me. Yeah. Um, I loved it. I loved the traveling until I didn't, if that makes any sense. And my now husband, who is from born and raised Lancaster, Pennsylvania, his whole family is here. Um, did not love our long distance relationship for a year and a half. And at that moment I had decided, I think it was time for me to settle down in the terms of which my family was, was, you know, back in Pennsylvania. And although I loved New York and I still do, like, I think it is the city of the world. It's, I consider it still like my hometown. It wasn't right for me at that moment. So I moved here um, we got married. We now have our two-year-old Mia, who's almost three. And I actually became a manager at a local Sephora here. Oh, so now brand, it was like, it was just so many different things. And, and I really loved it because then it taught me managing aspects and a lot of retail, a lot of mm-hmm. operational work. 
inventory management, all that. Which, wow, that is the nemesis still. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, It's it's a little different when it's a corporate company and you're managing their inventory because the system's already put in place and you're just following whatever the system is. Right. So different. Um, And it's so different when everything is a small little box and everything. Mm -hmm. It's just so. Um, And then I had Mia and I thought, okay, I'm going to, you know, take this as far as I can go. And, And then as soon as I had her, again, you know, lives, my life just shifted and I became a stay-at-home mom. And it was a huge change for me because I was so used to the social aspect and the people and the learning and the traveling and everything about the working field. I loved, I, you could have never told me that I would have been a stay-at-home mom but the circumstances were that it was right for our family. And my husband, Michael owns a barber shop and it, you know, we kind of figured it out and took the leap. And I just kind of dedicated my first year into just really raising her. And, you know, as she got a little older, I was like, wow, I have a little bit of spare time. I really, really miss working. And my friend, Lindsay, who said, you, you need to download this app. Just give me your phone. She downloaded Poshmark. And I, she was like, what are you going to do with all of this clothing that you used to train in and wear in New York? I mean, half the stuff didn't even fit me anymore after my pregnancy, especially all the shoes. Yeah. So here I am in New York with all the sample sales and blowing my paycheck on expensive designer shoes and now none of them would fit me right old mentality my mother would say keep them for Mia <laughs> like yeah. I have stuff for you <laughs> that's that's how my mom is too keep yeah. everything <laughs> she's gonna wear the $700 Louboutins one day one yeah. day trust me she'll want them and that was like kind of the turning point in my mind shifted and that's when the Marie Kondo thing like exploded yeah. So I just kind of put the voice of reason in my mind, especially my in-laws are really into decluttering and they're very good at organizing. And they would ask me all the time, like, what are you going to do with this stuff? Does this bring you joy and that whole thing? And I'm like, you know, it really doesn't because it's sitting in the back of my closet. So it started with just the things that were in my closet that didn't fit me and the joy it brought someone else when I realized how kind of seamless and easy it was to sell really kind of was the catalyst to now basically my whole basement being a boutique. (laughs) I love that you call it a boutique because I think so many of us just get stuck in that, like, it's a death pile. Like I just got things everywhere. And it's like, no, take some ownership into it and make it feel special. Right. If I had more space, I'd be the same way. I'd have it set up like a store probably have racks and everything, but I just don't have the space for it right now. But that is my, like in my head, I have a vision of what the basement's going to look like when we buy a house and the area that's going to be dedicated to it and have fancy wallpaper up. Like it's going to be a store that people can come into. Oh, Daniela, it doesn't look like that. That's, that's also what I envision. It's still a hot there's always piles and it's a constant evolution but you know it's not a storefront it's not a brick and mortar but it needs to make sense there are always times where I'm like wow if I had extra time if I wasn't so exhausted Um, as long as I'm not losing things and everything that is uh, photographed and listed it has its uh, home I'm happy right now what I love to do like a sample sale and do something cool in the future. Absolutely. I yep. me and my husband talk about it all the time because my sister-in-law was just in my basement last night going shopping. <laughs> right. Like there's just so many opportunities to go with. And I think yeah. um, we have to start planning and thinking about even past COVID, right? So eventually we will get through COVID and it will be go- well, gone, quote unquote gone. It won't be as prevalent in our lives as it is right now. And the landscape of fashion and shopping is changing so much and yeah. so quickly. I mean, it was changing to begin with, but now it's it's just so different. Yeah. And the newer generation that's 
now growing up and they're shopping for themselves, they're all thrifters for the most part. It's not like when we grew up, Monique, and it was like we went to the high-end retail stores and that was like an aspiration. It was like, yes, I need to go there. For the sales. You looked for the sale right and you looked like You went to the outlets, you did what you had to do, you know, that was what we did. And was it right or wrong? I mean, it's just what happened during that time. I don't think there's any, any, there's never any right or wrong. It's just what's happening in that time period. And now you see all these Gen Z, you know, younger generations, 16 and up that can drive and they have part-time jobs and whatnot. And they're going to thrift stores. They're not going to Nordstrom like we wanted to do, you know, they're going to the thrift stores and they're finding items that are vintage and they're dressing them up and you know doing all this cool stuff with it it's like in my head in the business aspect of my head I'm like okay this is obviously the way that things are going to start shifting how can I whether it's creating a pop-up of some sort or having some type of layout where I can bring people in and I have racks of different types of clothing at a cheaper price that would, would be on a reselling platform. And it's, it'd be profit on my end because I'm not paying 20%. If you think about it too, I mean, malls are like obsolete right oh, now. It breaks my heart. I don't even want to think about it. But if you think about how much empty retail space that if you probably called one of the leasing numbers and said, I have a great pop-up opportunity and your branding was on point, yeah. I they would deny you. I know. So there's all these ideas that go through my head Yeah. of like where the future can go, because this is just how my brain works. Like I can't, although I live in the present, my brain is always like four years ahead. Ella, you and me speak the same language. I was going to say, we're basically the same person after a short conversation that we've had. (laughs) That is where my head is at all the time. And yeah. The one thing that is my biggest opportunity is obviously that my daughter comes first, my family comes oh, first. Oh, of course, you know? of course. But it's the time. Mm-hmm. I have all these ideas and ideas, and I'm like, where is the time? And then I realized, okay, you get up a little earlier, but man, it's like you kind of have to either A, survive on a few hours of sleep and get everything you need done, or, you know, it's all about that balance. And right now, I'm just in my mind, I'm like, as long as I can say I did the best that I did and I'm not dropping all the balls and I try, it's a juggle, you know, you're trying oh, to do everything always. at once. Yep. It's um, always a juggle. Um, to go back to what you're saying before being in like the beauty world and everything. Yeah. Now I didn't work for Sephora. However, I came very close to working for Sephora part-time. Um, yeah. I did work at Walgreens for 14, almost 15 years. And I worked in the beauty section of Walgreens. So right now in present day Walgreens doesn't do the, the same way because business has changed and new people took over and whatnot. But when I started working at Walgreens, when I was 16, there used to be a, and it was a really big deal to be a part of the beauty department in Walgreens. And we used to get trainings and brands wow. come in and teach us different things. So like P and G would bring Revlon in and we'd get all these different trainings on Revlon products, L'Oreal products, like all these different, um, the new and the greatest mascaras, we would get samples, we get to try things. We would have to be educated in the skincare. When customers came in, it was just like Sephora, but in Walgreens, we had to be able to help them. Okay, what's their skincare type? And, you know, what products are they using now? How can we help them with their skin that's maturing? And, you know, like all of that stuff. I did all of it. So beauty and health and all of that was always a part of me in the retail space, which I think is why I gravitated to always watching beauty videos on YouTube. I started watching beauty videos on YouTube when they were like, no one even knew what they were in like 2004, 2005, when no one really watched them. Like that's when I started really diving into the beauty community. And I've always been a big fan and advocate of skincare and all, all of it. Like you name it, I've tried it. I love it all. Um, I had an opportunity at one point to uh, work for Chanel and I always kick myself that I never did it because I think I would have really thrived at you Chanel. Cool. You never know, right? Like I know. Mind, I, before I um, had my daughter, I said, I really want to go into esthetician school. I, I think everything, the skincare aspect of it was so fascinating to me. And I, st- especially cause my husband is also in the industry and he's right. an advocate for we're, we, I love learning. I love the education and I missed it when I wasn't, you know, in the day to day, you don't see what's new, what's coming up. 
and technology in beauty changes so much. I know. I, and especially now, like now it's like with skincare, it's like lasers and different things and kind of medical, which is also fascinating to me. I still think when I quote unquote grow up, I would love to do something in that field. Yeah. I, um, before I started reselling, so like two years ago, I've, I've always resold stuff. Like that's a lie. I've always been a reseller, but I've never labeled myself as that. I've never dedicated time and space. Right. To Who knew it was a thing? Right. Who knew that it was an actual thing that I could have done? Because I probably would have started like and made it a real serious thing back when I was 18 years old doing it, you know, 16 to 18. when I was just selling all my coach bags for money to buy a new coach bag. Right. <laughs> you know, I would have just done it then. But anyways, um, I don't know where I was going with this. Where was I going with this, Monique? Who knows? Something about Chanel, something about beauty. Uh, oh, now I remember. Before um, I started my part-time reselling journey, I had this idea of starting my own skincare line, oh, and I started God. looking into it. Um, oh, that's why I stopped, is because it actually requires quite a bit of capital to even get to the basics of creating a skincare line. Um and then picking a lab and it's just, there's so much involved to it. Uh, and I think that's why so many beauty gurus out there, if you guys are listening, watch the beauty YouTubers, um, skincare is always like the last thing that they ever venture into. It's always just the makeup side of it because man, the skincare side is tough. It's tough, but it's, it's funny cause that really is the base of everything. Yes, it is. Like you need good skincare. It doesn't matter what makeup you wear. Absolutely. I used to have a metaphor. I used to tell my clients and I would say, have you ever had really good cake and you don't need frosting? I said, that's what your skin is. Yeah. It could be really good cake and you don't need the makeup. Like it's so funny, but even though I, I wore a ton of it, I mean, false lashes, the nine every day. <laughs> I love it. On. Now I'm like, what is, I, I, I. What even is makeup? <laughs> I CC cream, mascara, mainly sunscreen. I'm like, yeah. can I have sunscreen? <laughs> I know. Um, that's, yeah. that's me too. I look back at photos and I'm like, man, I like, I loved doing my makeup. I had everything, everything you can imagine I had on. Now I'm like, I washed my face this morning and I put on some type of skincare. So we're good. We're going to go out the door. Well, you're especially if you're wearing a mask all day. Yeah, I, that's the other thing. Now, when I go to work, I don't even bother putting makeup on because you can't see my face half the time. Oh, I think about that all the time. I'm like, that's why brows and lashes are everything. Yes, my brows will be done and I'll have mascara on. I used to get um, lashes put on, but then I stopped doing that. Let me tell you, if you have, if you have sensitive eyes, the eyelash glue doesn't do well with you. No, and the time oh. and money. You oh, it's so expensive, but man, your lashes look good. I know. And you make that feeling like, <laughs> gorgeous. I started doing it when I was pregnant because I needed something. <laughs> yeah. My, my and it's addicting. Did not, um, did not argue with me because he knew how good I felt. But yeah. man, after her, even, and it's funny because the first picture of my daughter right after I had her, I had just gotten my lashes done the day before. Oh, so they, they look great. <laughs> And it's a picture of me looking down at her and everyone's comment rather than it being like, oh my God, welcome baby Mia. They're like, look at those lashes. <laughs> Way to steal the show, Monique. <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyway, we all have these interesting, fun stories, but it's so fun to talk to other people that have similar backgrounds and different things that you do because not many, I don't know too many people that were invested in the beauty world back in the early 2000s like I was I mean I was invested in it I was like I thought I was gonna go down that way and um you know I turned down the opportunity with Chanel because I was in school like that was important to me was to finish my bachelor's degree go on to my master's degree so um you know you live and you learn but everything happens for a reason so I didn't end up working with Chanel but that doesn't mean that it won't take me other places in the future. You may just find a bunch of Chanel and oh, sell it. A girl can dream. Yeah, I'd end up keeping it all. Are you kidding? If I found Chanel, I found Chanel once, twice, twice. But they were both like, one was a pair of vintage boots that were not my size. So I didn't care. And then the other thing was they were a pair of flats, uh, like espadrille, like flats. And they were, again, not my size. So I didn't keep them. But if I find a Chanel handbag, that thing is staying with me until the day I die. I might even be buried in it. 
that's an investment now. Well, I know. So that's, that's the thing, right? I am on the hunt. Now I don't, I will pay up for it when I find it, if I find it in some type of consignment store. Um, I want a Chanel, like I want a quilted Chanel that I will keep it forever. But the, I love, I always look on the real, real, forget it. They're like three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000. You can't touch them. But you know, it's interesting years ago, brand new, they were three, four, $5,000. I know. It's it not the one thing that if you put your money towards the classic, um, I think it's like the 2.2 bag. If you put your money towards that, that's probably the one thing that will make you money. Yeah. I know. Keep. It if is you true. It, which again, you have to sell it. Yeah. I don't know if I'd ever sell a Chanel. I don't blame you. Speaking of Chanel, have you watched that new show on Netflix, the home edit? Okay, I want to because my I, I, it's about organization, right? Yes, yes. Pantry. Here's what happened. I want to have a pantry that looks like that. Right. So, so our listeners will laugh because everyone knows I'm like super or like I'm a super organized OCD. Like I like things to be neat and orderly, even though it's a facade because half of my things are not neat and orderly, but whatever. <laughs> so I'm watching it and I'm sitting there. And one, I think it's like the second episode, um, I want to say it's Rachel Zoe is on and they're in her closet and she just has Chanel everywhere, everywhere. I mean, the whole top shelf is just like vintage, vintage Chanel, big, like luggage size tote bags. And I'm like, if you took one, she wouldn't even know. Just give me one. Just donate it to me, Rachel Zoe, please just donate one. I'm sure all those celebrities, and she's a stylist, so she's in the world. Yeah, so her whole closet, hers was fascinating. As a reseller, I think her episode was the most Um, fascinating because she's a collector. So she is a big vintage collector. She loves the the history of fashion. She loves fashion. That's what she does. It's artwork. You know, Mm -hmm. it really is. And especially if you are a fashion designer, everything evolves, and you're inspired by, you know, throw back vintage pieces and you can't replicate that craftsmanship. I know that's That's the same with um, Betsy Johnson. That's another one. She collects, she asks for her vintage pieces. If you have it, she wants it. That's interesting. I have have a vintage Betsy Johnson. You? I'm on the hunt for one. I've never found one, but I would love, love, love to find one. Those are certain pieces. There are certain pieces that I can't let go because they bring me joy. And that's yeah. like, if, if I look at it and I still feel like I can maybe one day wear it, or I just really enjoy having it, I will probably never list it and never sell it. I think so bad. Yeah. I think it's okay. Like for me, me personally, I think it's fine to do that. I think it's almost okay to have like a museum section of your closet, right? Where it's like pieces that you might never wear again, but they just hold some type of value, some some type of something, right? Like it just sparks something in you, that you, inspiration, whatever it is, that just, they just need to stay. Yes. Although I live in athleisure, so I don't know. <laughs> Who doesn't nowadays? I, I know. It's, can we get any more casual? Like- it, so <laughs> I started wearing the beta brand pants that if you're not picking them up to resell, you should because oh, people like me buy them. Yes. <laughs> they are the most comfortable work pants. So if you are like me and have a full-time job and you're looking for a comfortable work pant without actually having to wear a work pant, but it not be leggings because leggings aren't professional and they're frowned upon for whatever reason, um, Beta Brand is your go-to. Aren't they called like the, I have a pair, aren't they called? The yoga like, something. I have one, a pair listed in my closet. They're called like the yoga pants. Yeah, they're fantastic. They're like, you know, when leggings first came out and they were all with the boot cut, basically, they're like a wider leg boot cut. These are basically what they are. So it looks like a trouser, right? but it's a legging and they're fantastic. So yes, I know. Athleisure is one of those things that um, I think is a growing and has been a growing market. It's my, it is my top one of also, as opposed to Doc Martens. That is. Hold on, tell everyone, tell everyone that that Doc Martens is your number one seller, and she has it in like, like, like she has tons of them that she sells. Oh my gosh! But they're always in my size, so they're <laughs> unlisted. And I look at them, and I'm like, oh my 
today's the day. If you ever find them in a size nine, my friend, send a pair my way. I have found nines, um, sevens though, for whatever reason, the sevens likes, there's someone out there who lives near me that (laughs) buys them and donates them or sells them. And they're, I mean, a lot of them look brand new and it's really hard to like. Maybe you have someone that lives around you that is a designer or something and uses them for inspiration. I don't know. In Amish country? I mean, you never know. A lot of transient people here. People yeah. buy homes here because, you know, you get a lot of, you can get more land and stuff. But I don't know. It, they're not, not that they're not hard, but I've found quite the pair and I've only been quote unquote, you know, sourcing and reselling for like a year and a half. Which is interesting to me. And this is like where your background definitely shines in your closet. Because if you look at Monique's closet, which I'll, I'll leave everything in the uh, show notes so you guys can check her out, make sure you follow her and everything. Um, you would think that Monique's been reselling for longer than a year. And it's because of her background in fashion and beauty. And I think that shows. And retail. And which, retail. Yes. Which is interesting because I think everything combined when I, when I think of all my jobs and all the careers I've done as far as fashion, beauty, retail, and graphic design have really trained me to kind of jump into reselling. And within six months, my friend who made me initially download the app. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply she was like blown away because yeah. I was telling her like, what's up with your photos? Like, why do they look so, you know, you that's gotta... the graphic designer in you. So my sister's a graphic yes. designer. I get it. <laughs> yes. And I can see things and the typeface bothers me and, and the color and the color's not right. And yes. And I, I can almost like edit things to make them really look the way they're at their best. And truly pictures speak a thousand words, right? That's how people are shopping online right visual so you can put you know your your best-selling words and keywords but if you don't have a wonderful picture of the item it's and it's funny because I do I do love a stock photo but there are times where I'm like wow my photos are way better especially when you find a vintage piece or a piece that's not you know Right. It's not as easy to find a stock right. before. So let's talk about that because I think this has been talked about a lot in the community, especially lately when people are reevaluating their business. Let's talk about photography and yeah. the importance of it, given your graphic design background um, and the importance of it when you have a store, an online presence, an online storefront, right? Um, as a consumer, the first thing that you're seeing is this photo. Yeah. So from a graphic design standpoint, Talk about how that first impression is crucial to make the sale, basically. So I always say put yourself in the buyer's shoes. You're shopping, your closet, your store, and your, what mood does it put you in? Mm -hmm. You know, as much as people like, you don't have to curate. No, you don't, even though mine is, because I'm weird like that. (laughs) I have like a beauty section a fall, like, you know, this goes in the summer, this goes in the athletic section. And I like that because I can find things right. relatively fast. Once you have a good amount of items in your closet, it's like, you know, talk about trying to have, there's no search. So you kind of have to know. And in terms of Poshmark, and it really benefits me to kind of have it curated and aesthetically, visually, when I have to look at my, my, uh, Poshmark closet this many times in a day. I like it to give me a certain feel that makes me want to work on it. And it makes me feel like people want to shop it. And I've had quite the few repeat clientele, especially during COVID. I mean, I can't even tell you, I 
felt so grateful to so many of my customers and clients that repeat shop with me, you know, shopping small business because they either liked the way that everything looked and, you know, the way I packaged everything. I truly think that customer service portion is where you can stand out. Yeah, I agree. I hear your little girl in the background. (laughs) Uh, Let's see how that goes. That's okay. She comes on. She can come on and say hi too if she wants. (laughs) Yeah, I have to agree with you. I think that now, do I think you need to use Photoshop and all these fancy? No, no, no. I don't think it's necessary. I think as long as the photo is clear, you're accurately showing the item you're showing the color the best that you can because not everyone can buy ring lights not everyone can do all this stuff but there are free apps out there and free things for you to use uh, whether it's on the computer or it's on your phone there are free options for you to edit your photo in a way to make it look nice so that you don't have to use a stock photo now I am guilty of using stock photos yes Um, Do I use them for everything? No. Like you had said, Monique, for my vintage pieces that I sell, I don't use any type of stock anything. Like the more authentic I can make it look to what the item actually looks like, the better. I won't edit it. I'll just make sure it's nice and bright and call it a day. Like I think vintage pieces speak for themselves. Um, When you're selling like, you know, Lululemon, for example, it's a pair of leggings. You almost need the stock photo to make it look enticing. Yes, exactly. Because there, there is no movement to it. Right. You know, when you hang up a pair of leggings or, you know, you do a flat lay, there's really nothing to it. Now, if at the right price, Lululemon sells itself. So again, it definitely, but I, I love that visual aspect. I'm so into the aesthetics that I like my closet to look like a store that I, that is a regular boutique online. Now, do you source online as well? Yeah. So I, when you're sourcing mom, online, you have to sort. I, if I told you the amount of hours I actually source, it is very minimal. I go out with like guns blazing and I'll <laughs> have like two hours, like a crazy person. And I come back and I'm like, well, that's going to be it for like, a good few weeks, maybe even a month. And I, I do search online. It's harder, but of course now I know, as you were saying, like a lot of retail stores online, the deals are crazy. So it's, you can find it. I think it's just about being consistent with anything and, you know, what your business model looks like and, you know, how much, you want to pay for things. I am not afraid to pay up at all, ever. That's a good conversation to have because I think always think about the flip on yeah. the other side. Like I will shell out thirty, forty dollars, like easily, because yeah. I think of my return. I never think about what's going in. I think of how fast it's going to flip, and I think of for how much. Yeah, I am learning. The pandemic has made me learn to be that way, to be okay with spending the $30, $40 to then flip it for $100 plus. Um, I think the problem within the community itself is that everything is so hyper-focused on thrift stores and the bins and yard sales, right? Because that's the mentality. That's how a lot of people get started. That's how they do it. Um, But there are so many other opportunities out there. Like don't pigeonhole yourself to only the thrift store, unless that's all you can afford. And that's all that's around you. Right. right? Like it's all circumstantial. Um, but then I tell people, well then, you know, you should try online sourcing, try thread up, try whatever. So I source on Poshmark and, um, I'm not going to lie when I'm sourcing on Poshmark, I'm looking for the photos that don't look as nice because nine times out of 10, they're really great, great items. Right. And the and price you know, really low. Like many things in their closet and they just want to sell the things off. Like, which was me in the beginning before this escalated into, you know, what it is now, but absolutely. I think it's, I think it's not um, closing the opportunity into where you can find things. Yes. And you never know. I mean, literally last night, my sister-in-law dropped off a bunch of things. She's like, I don't know if you can sell these, just take a look at them. And I think it's, you just never know when you can flip something 
for money, which I've started flipping hard goods, Facebook marketplace. I never thought I was so into doing the Poshmark closet and having it be a certain way. And now when the pandemic hit, I was everywhere. Yeah. It's eBay. I don't know why I'm afraid of eBay. But oh, don't be afraid of eBay. eBay is your friend. You know, so many people have told me that because I, I'm on Mercari, I'm on Poshmark, I'm on Facebook Marketplace, and I sell off of Instagram. So, so why don't, don't you go on eBay? I don't know. I do my own shipping with Instagram. I have no... I think it's that it's a whole new platform. So eBay has a lot of facets to it. It is complex. But to start, just cross-list everything on there. Do you use a cross-listing um, application or no? It, that's okay. You don't have to. You don't have so to. Fast. I felt like when I do have my time. I don't know. I, it's not something I'm opposed to. I just I don't for whatever reason. It's not necessary. Is it nice? Yes, because I can cross. I use lists perfectly, and yeah. I can bulk list to Macari and eBay. So I, I uh, people yell me all the time. I list first on Poshmark, and I shouldn't do that. I should yeah. list first on eBay, and then yeah. list everywhere else but that's not what I do. I list on Poshmark and then I go into the item. I'll copy it to Mercari and eBay. It sends everything over. I put in my little details I have to put in and then there are, you know, eBay, Mercari are good. So everything that's listed on eBay and Mercari is on Poshmark and vice versa. Um, I do have a couple of things on eBay that I would never post on, on Poshmark, but I probably could put on Macari. So whether it's a hard good of some sort that does better on eBay or, you know, just like random things around the house that I wouldn't put on Poshmark. I would have never thought how much I loved flipping home goods. Home goods is fun. It's different, right? It's It's a different history, everything. But Facebook marketplace, it's so in demand, especially when, you know, quarantine stores were not open. Yep. So I was just getting rid of things in our house. My parents are looking to downsize and I may, and it's cash in hand. Yep. I know. I've never done it. I've never done Facebook. Oh, marketing. it's so worth it. It is. I know people say that I've done, I mean, back in the day I did Craigslist and I loved it, but, um, oh, the same thing, even better. Yeah. Because it's, it really is. It's, it's, it's its own platform. And I remember waking up and you know how you get excited to see what's sold. Yeah. <laughs> or, what, you know, yep. check your platforms. And for right during the pandemic, because I listed so many hard goods and so many retail um, stores were closed, especially all of the furniture stores. So many things sold so fast. Like, That's great. Within a day. That's great. Um, yeah. I have to say, how do you like Macari? Because I've, so I've started to really dedicate the last two months to Macari and I'm not going to lie guys. I love, I love it. it. Yeah. I absolutely love it. I love the simplicity of it. I love how easy it is to list on there. Um, I love the interaction with the customer. I think that's what I like the most. So the fact that they can message you right and have that conversation it's and it's, yeah, it's oh, I just love that aspect of it. And let me tell you, the things that are selling on there are stuff that has been sitting in my Poshmark closet for, I don't know, months and they're higher end items. I'm selling them on Macari. Yes. It's crazy to me. I think I just had a pair of Vince like high tops that were sitting in my closet for since the beginning and like a day they sold and I just quickly cross-listed them like randomly just thought about them like oh, I should cross-list them they're they're high tops they're new in box and they sold within 24 hours for like $130 yeah so don't oh, sleep in my car no, <laughs> no. I, you know what it's really don't skimp on anything like how I'm yeah. afraid of eBay I think it's like if you have the time to kind of cross-list and you already have the items I think it's so worth it because you're just expanding your opportunity. Um, yeah, I agree with you. Goods, do it, you know, do eBay, do Mercari, do, and again, Facebook Marketplace for like couches and furniture. I mean, you can clear out things that you don't want and people want them. Yeah, I was, when we move, I said to my husband, I said, because we're in an apartment complex, but we could easily do Facebook Marketplace and get rid of everything so quickly. And I would never do a garage sale again. I did one a few times, once when I was very pregnant, another time 
right when I had me um, and she was a few months old and all the effort, it is so worth doing Facebook marketplace because there's no, everything's so seamless. Um, and yeah, I just leave stuff on my doorstep and, or meet with people really quickly in my door and people are like, Oh, is it weird? I'm like, no, you can literally see who they are. And half the time, if you know, in my neighbor, I'm like, Oh, it's a friend of a friend or no, it's not weird at all. And it's cash in hand that day. Which do is- you, um, not to interrupt you, but Facebook yeah. marketplace, do you know Ryan and Lindsay on Instagram? Renzi, Renzi now? Yeah, I, I, I have, I've seen a few of their videos. Okay. So most of their business, well, they, they're on Macari, Poshmark, eBay, they're on all the platforms, but yeah. the majority of their business is Facebook, Facebook marketplace. They're yeah. flipping shoes out of their cars and they're somewhat local. I mean, they live in Maine. They're not that far from me. Um, they're like three and a half hours away from me, but that's what they do. And I think it's just, it's so interesting to see how people go off in their own directions. They find what works for their business. They're getting cash in hand that day. They're doing multiple sales to people. They're bringing shoes that are similar to the ones that people want to purchase. And then basically have a store in their trunk. Like, Hey, look at all of these other shoes that I have. I love that. There's so much opportunity anywhere and you just never know. I mean, Danielle, during the pandemic and quarantine, I was flipping pools, inflatable pools. Oh my, I am so jealous of everyone who did that because that was genius. Whoever started that. That I would sell inflatable pools. (laughs) Right. After the first thing I sold were designer pieces out of my closet, I would have said there's no way. However, in May, my brain you know I had a conversation with my friend and she's like it's so hot already can you believe this is the last one on the shelf and it's only May and I literally hung up on her hung up and said I have to go yeah I need to go (laughs) shopping (laughs) it's funny because so many people were thankful yeah because it's been such a hot summer and I know having a kid obviously I kept one for myself that you know, you have your kids running around, you need an activity, you can't stay in the house any longer. And it was just that need. And something about having a replenishable item, which Mm -hmm. requires one listing, Mm -hmm. I think is genius. And it's easy. And if you can find it, and find that niche, whatever it may be, it is a great business model. I 100% agree with you and um, you talking makes my brain like start to go in new directions because what is to come? Well, because replenishables is actually something that I've been thinking about doing for the last like two or three weeks um, on eBay or Amazon. I don't know yet. Okay. I might venture into Amazon when we have a house, but um like beauty and healthcare, like health items. So vitamins, skincare, toothpaste, like all that kind of stuff, right? There's palettes that exist that are small that I could do, easily do in my apartment right now and do replenishables on eBay. Yeah, it's worth it. Yeah, and they're not expensive to venture. Like It's an investment that I can make and feel confident that I will make my money back plus whatever, right? The thing is that, again, it's not being afraid to shell out a little bit because one of my top sellers, which I, it kind of dawned on me because my husband's barbershop was closed during quarantine, that people didn't have access to certain things. Hair clippers. Anything hair care, really. And that we had access, um, you know, with his, um, him being a professional and the professional licensing and that we could still get things shipped to us. That was a huge eye opener for me. I would say if you looked at my stats from that time when Poshmark also opened up beauty and hair care and skin care, it is probably one of my top, if not still top selling SKUs because it is a no brainer that it will sell because people need to replenish it. Yep. I mean, you're not going to rebuy an inflatable pool, probably never again. (laughs) However, you will rebuy a topical and hair care and things that, you know. Right. They're a part of our routines. And I think that's important to 
remember that um, you don't have to always stick to the same thing. Maybe you, you're tired of going to the thrift store and looking through a bunch of tops and jeans and stuff. I mean, it happens. I went to the thrift store very briefly today when I had some time and um, I was over it. Like literally I walked in and I was like, not feeling it. Like have no desire to even look at a piece of clothing. I'm good. And walked out within like maybe 10 minutes. So maybe this is what you need because it will be a new venture right. and it'll be exciting. Yeah. So I've, I've been looking at it and, um, and I also have like, an enormous bag sitting in the corner of my room with a bunch of Lululemon that my friend gave to me. And I'm so thankful for it because it's brought me so many sales, no cost to me. She just gave it to me. She said, you sell it. I don't have, Uh, she's amazing. She is one of my best friends. Um, and you know, there's, she had other things that she's donating to that, that she's sending to thread up, not donating. I'm sorry. There's other things that she's sending to thread up herself, which I told her was like the things that you can make good money on, please send them in real, real, whatever. I will gladly list them for you and take a small percentage if you want me to, but like you do that. But the Lululemon, she's like, it's just so much work to have to list all the Lululemon. So she gave it to me. Very thankful. Um, Reselling is not a passive income. No, it is is so much work. It is so much work. And I think it gets to the point sometimes like right now I am overwhelmed, not because I can't do the work because I absolutely can. It's there's so much of the same type of item. Like there's about, 30 bras, 30 tops. Um, The leggings were easy for me to list. I I only had like maybe four or five pairs left, but those were easy. So I did those first tops and bras, not fun, but they're there and I got to sell them. Right. And it's all profit. So like I'm molding myself to go through all that. I have other stuff that I've thrifted that's still sitting there that I haven't gotten to yet. So like my brain is just like, you need to go through all this stuff. You need to get it out. You need to make the money on it. But then the other part of my brain is like, okay, well, you need to be looking at the next thing and what you can do to bring your business up to the next level. Um, and it's, and right now for me, I'm thinking replenishables. I'm thinking beauty, vitamins. Yeah. I'm thinking all of that kind of stuff um, because a lot of people aren't going out. Yep. Um, a lot of stores, retail stores right now, in terms of clothing, they're having crazy, crazy sales and people are buying brand new at tag designer and luxury at like 70 or 80% off. Um, so certain pieces are not moving like they did before. So there's just so many factors that go into reselling. Like reselling is even if you are part-time, you're really not part-time. No, like I am part-time because obviously I can't dedicate full work to it. However, is it always on my mind? Oh, it never stops. But that's what's so fun. So if you're someone that, you know, is creative and loves to work for themselves and enjoys everything about it, the sourcing and the selling, I mean, those are my favorites, that it it evolves. Like, again, it went from like reselling my own stuff to sourcing and and then flipping pools and then replenishables. Like, it's just, it's going to constantly change like retail. It will always change. And I think that's what's so cool about it is that you can brand yourself to be whatever you want because you are e-commerce, you are online and, you know, you're doing it for yourself. So it's, it's so interesting to me, but my two-year-old, she will look at things. And when she's done with them, sometimes she's like, do you want to sell this? Oh my God. I love it. And I asked her all the time, what does mommy do for work? She goes, we drop off packages. (laughs) We drop off packages. I mean, she's not wrong. No, she's not. I'm like, you're right. Drop off packages. How cute is she? Oh, you need to have a little YouTube channel with her in it. That's what you need to do. I, I, it's so funny. I would love to, but really YouTube, I've thought about it for years. Because again, being in the makeup world. Yeah, and I've wanted a YouTube since thing. 2005. I finally have Edit- one. Now I'm like, I don't have time for it. <laughs> Correct. The editing piece and the time. You really have to love it. And I'm the type of person that if I'm not going to put like a thousand percent into it, it's just too, I don't want to overwhelm myself. And I, I, I know now myself that I can only handle so much and I want to do the best that I can with what I'm doing, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. I would love to dedicate more time to YouTube. I, I can't, I can't, it's just. For me to sit down and film a video, it'd have to be on the weekend. 
which means right. I'd be taking time away from either sourcing, listing, photographing, like doing all other things. And then like spending time with family, you know, like that small aspect of my life that's important to me. Um, so I've been doing the reseller hangouts on Wednesday nights, which have been fun. Like that's the kind of stuff, like I like sitting down. I like talking to people. This is why I have a podcast with Lori. Like this is what we like to do. Um, so the reseller thing so to- good at it. Oh, well, thank you. Absolutely. I mean, I rem- I cannot tell you how many times I will be sitting in my basement, standing in my basement, taking photographs and, you know, listing and doing all the things. And truly your voices are company. It's like your co you know, you're it's your coworkers learning and you're learning. And I love that. I love every time that someone goes on, it's like a new idea can spark when someone listens to something and you just never know. And again, it opens up communication and it's so cool with social media that really everyone can reach out to anyone and it's a great community. Yeah, it it is. And and thank you. In a sales world, which is super rare. I know. I know. Um, Thank you for that, Monique, though. It's, it's nice to hear the feedback because Lori and I, always our vision from the beginning and that we haven't even been live for a year like December 31st will be a year but our vision when we started talking about it was um it's just two friends getting together having a conversation having guests on that are friends or new people that we're meeting and just sharing information it's just a conversation like it's just people coming together learning about each other learning about the different ways we all run our business throwing out some new ideas. You know, we do trends and we do that kind of stuff too, because it's fun. It's fun to know about that stuff. And, and I love it. Um, and Lori loves looking at the fashion aspect of it. Oh, too. I love it. It's, it's just a great way to build a sense of community yeah. in something in such like a niche market, right? right? Like we're resellers. It, the community is big, but it's also very small in the grand scheme of things. It's very lonely. It, it can be. So we always wanted it to be conversational. Right. So it always makes us very happy when people are excited about the new episodes. They tell I get us. so excited on Mondays because <laughs> my husband is off and that's when I work. Yeah. Typically. And I, I kind of like wait because I, I listen to the podcast and I'm like, oh my God, there's two episodes. I have two episodes. <laughs> I get excited when there's like more than one because it really is. It's, it's, you learn a lot and it's, it's just so enjoyable and it's so entertaining. Yeah. Right? We're, we're both very interesting. <laughs> good. You're doing good. So. Well, thank you for that. Yeah. And I think YouTube will take its own form when I'm ready for it. I think that, you know, I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing with the reseller hangouts um, because it's me sitting down learning things from other people and just having conversations and catching up with friends. And then there's a chat going and, you know, people are joining in and they're asking questions and that's just the teacher in me. That's the educator. That's what I've become with my degree and what I learned, what I did for the majority of my early twenties, you know, into my late twenties. And even a little before that, actually, when I was like 18, um, 18, 19, it's what I've always done. I've always been an educator. I've always taught people. So it comes so natural to me. Uh, so I, I see my YouTube channel always being something like that, an educational tool for people in whatever capacity that may be, um, where the podcast for me is like fun, sit down, have a drink, like hang out. Um, yeah, it's been fun. But then the reselling side of it is always evolving too. Everything's always evolving. It's, but that I think is what's so cool is that everything has brought you to where you are now, right? Mm-hmm. Like how mm-hmm. everything that everyone has done. And then I think that's what's so interesting about reselling that when people get into yeah. it, no one ever like said, I'm going to be this. Right. It always kind of morphed into, wow, this is what sparks joy and I love it and I enjoy it. And truly I could do the things that involve work in terms of reselling nonstop because I, I do really enjoy it so much. Yeah. That's an aspect of it. I think it's so fascinating when you sit down with one, two or a group of resellers and you ask them what their background is. It is so fascinating to hear where everyone came from. It is just, there's not one thing. It's not like, okay, so you're a physician 
you went to med school, you did your internship, you were, you know, like, it's not like that at all. Everyone is so different. Everyone mm-hmm. has their own story. And I think, again, any, at any age, you could be successful at, you know, you could be doing it for a few months or a few years and you're constantly learning and growing. And that's what's so awesome about it. I agree. And that's why we do the coffee talk too. I mean, originally it was because, you know, Lori um, had a lot going on with the kids being home and everything like that. And now it's evolved to something that we'll always keep. Um, And it's so fun to have people on that our listeners don't know because Instagram is big and not everyone follows everyone. Um, And it's nice to introduce our community to other people who listen to us that are loyal listeners that I know, or Lori knows, but everyone else doesn't know. Um, and it, it, it just brings new people into your world. You know, everyone that comes into a coffee talk always comes back and like, Oh, thank you so much for having me on. You know, I've met so many more people and it's just, it's nice that we can be that bridge to introduce everyone to someone new and keep learning for one another. If it wasn't for reselling, I couldn't even tell you, I mean, since my husband had to shut down his business. Is he still shut down, Monique? No. Okay. He was shut down for almost four months. Oh, wow. didn't receive any assistance. And it was really a challenging time for our family. And it's so interesting because what once was something as a part-time hobby for me, really, really became, I became, quote unquote, the breadwinner for the family. And I like just kind of put everything into it and people were shopping and I was so thankful and I could not believe it. And I really was like, wow, this is how I knew I was meant to do what I'm doing because what I had kind of done for fun and, you know, for extra income became our sole source of surviving. Um, And that to me was like, wow, this is, truly an industry which can support a family and a career and it's opened my mind to really even want to teach other people how to do it as well because I I was blown away my whole family everyone was like I cannot believe this is happening I'm like me either but I think when you're put in a situation like I was it was like I didn't have any other choice and I was happy to do it and I'm still so thankful that I was able to do something like that. And that's why I think business is so amazing because you just never know. It is. It is. And I am so thankful that we were able to connect and have this conversation because this is now a new friendship and it's great. So many, we, we just have so many similarities and so many different things. I love it. I love it a lot. And you're not too far from me, which is nice too. Oh, awesome. Listen, if you come here one time. Someday. Someday. You're not that far. I can't imagine. It was like maybe eight hours away. It can't be that far. (laughs) I mean, when you live in Rhode Island, everything's not that far. (laughs) It's so true. New York's like four hours with with traffic. Right. You know, Connecticut's an hour. Mass is an hour. New Hampshire's hour, depending on where you're going. Everything's close. Everything's drivable. That's true. It is. And um, it sounds like your sourcing is really great. So I'm going to have to road trip it. Lori and I are going to have to road trip. Oh, that would be fun. It would be fun. That is like something that Lori and I talked about. This is before COVID. The, I've yet to go to the quote unquote bins. I, oh. I haven't, oh. I haven't done it. The bins, so I, I won't go now, but. Yeah. And also because time. So yeah. whereas I say like, I'll pay up and I'll go to a buy sell trade store because time is everything to me. And really it's just about research and checking comps. So I don't mind leaving with less items that I know will flip fast. Yep. Like sneakers. I buy so many like athleisure and athletic wear because it just flips fast for me and leather goods. Leather, leather suede. Yeah. Yeah. Lori and I have this vision of traveling and thrifting and taking the podcast that on the road would be a really good um spin off like a spin off yeah exactly <laughs> someday when covid is no longer it's going to happen we're going to do it we do a whole youtube segment on it too i know there's so many options 
So many options. Well, Monique, thank you so much for coming on and for chatting with me and for everyone that was listening. I hope you learned something new. Um, I'm going to make sure I leave all Monique's information down in the show notes. Monique, before we go, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you, your Instagram, your Poshmark store, all that stuff. It's Golden X Hanger, and that's the same across the board in terms of Instagram, Mercari, and Poshmark. Love it. One day eBay. One day, like maybe this weekend. Yeah, maybe. Oh, I don't know why. I, get I mean, just make the account and just post one thing. You're right. Which, That's yeah, all. Sometimes all the time are like, I don't understand. You literally sell off Instagram. Like, <laughs> you do shipping by yourself. I'm like, I know. You I just need to do it. Because it's a whole new platform and I know it's a beast and I want to be able to like. It is. It requires consistent listening, but you can do it. Listen to my coffee talk with Heidi again. Okay. I, I It's so funny because I have listened to it and I was thinking about that because I, I know, I know I need to do it. And that's the thing is like all these um, episodes and these podcasts, they really are so inspirational and they, they give you that courage to try something new. Well, once we're done and we hang up, that's what you're going to go do. You're going to go listen to it and then you're going to go start eBay store. And then I want to report. Accountable. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. I will see you next week with Lori. Bye.